This is KMTT. The week begins with a shiur by Harav Benjamin Tavoy, a series, weekly series, on uh, modern responsa of the 20th century, more or less, both the individual and the and the topic. Harav Benjamin Tavoy. Rav Shal Yisraeli was the author of many, many Sfarim and the editor of others in his illustrious career. Rav Yisraeli was born in Slutsk in the year 1909, Tamuz, His father was Rav Binyamin Yisraelit, who was an outstanding Tamit Chacham, who became the Rav of various communities. When Rav Yisraeli was young, his father moved to another community to become the Rav of the community. But Rav Yisraeli eventually decided to go back to the city of Slutsk to go back to learn in that yeshiva. That yeshiva was headed by Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky and the uh, Rosh Yeshiva the, was Rabbi Sezalman Meltzer. Later on in life, Rav Yisraeli met up with these two gedolim again in Eretz Yisrael who were his rabbanim in certain in a certain meaning of that word. Rabbi Suzaman was the Rosh Yeshiva. Later on, he went to learn in the Yeshiva of Minsk, and Rabbi Yisrael decided at one point that he really wanted to come to learn Torah in Eretz Yisrael. At that time, it was quite dangerous to leave and go to live, go across the border. It would have to be done illegally. And to the, the threat of being caught involved a very, very severe punishment. Rav Yisraeli then asked a question. He went to the Rav Moskva, Rav Kelmis, Rav Klemis, who later on was one of the Rabbanim in the Rabbanut Rashid of Israel. And he asked him, in his opinion, would he be allowed to attempt to leave and get to Eretz Yisrael, even though it involved a certain amount of danger. In a book written about Rav Yisraeli, it mentioned that Rav Klemis said he wasn't sure about this issue, and he did what we call today the Goral Hagra. He opened the Tanakh at random, to, as if we would find an answer from whatever page was opened. And sure enough, they opened to the page which said, Penu usu'ulachem hamidbara derch yamsuf. Go and travel. They took this as a a sign that Rav, Rav Yisraeli, together with Rav Solomon and a third person, took this as a sign that, yes, they should do it, and in, with many problems on way, they eventually made it to Eretz Yisrael. When he came to Eretz Yisrael, Rav Yisraeli went to learn in Yeshiva's Merkaz Harav, Rav Kook founded this the central yeshiva, what he called the Merkaz Harav, the central yeshiva, and Rav Yisraeli was one of the outstanding students of that yeshiva. When he decided to leave yeshiva, he was offered a position in Kfaro Haro'e, an agricultural settlement not far from Chadera, and Rav Yisraeli accepted the position as a young Rav in Kfaro'e. The issues that faced him in that position 
were mostly those of laws that apply to mitzvot atliot ba'aretz. It was agricultural uh, w- world that they lived in. And Rav Yisraeli had to come to grips with questions of Arla and Kilayim and Shmita, etc. He actually founded a machon to deal with those particular issues, to, to, to explain the halachas to the people who really, on one hand, knew very little, but were anxious to follow the halacha as they would receive a psak from their Rav. While he was in Kfar O'er, many years he served as the Rav of Kfar O'er, the Rav Yogel founded a yeshiva high school in Padishana, which is not that far from Chadera, when it's actually past Chadera. But Rav, Yisra- Rav Yogel turned to Rav Yisraeli and asked him to teach Machshevet Yisrael in this new concept of establishing, establishing yeshiva high school. Rav Yisraeli agreed to the position, which presented quite a challenge because there was no textbook, there was no there was no yeshiva high school before. Nobody had studied this a concept called Nachshavet Yisrael within the concept of a religious high school. So not only did Rav Yisraeli accept the position of a teaching Nachshavet Yisrael, he wrote the book. He wrote a book which until today is a classic book of preparing uh, basic lessons in Nachshavet Yisrael named Prakim B'Nachshavet Yisrael in which Rav, Rav Yisraeli, by topics, quotes the various sources in Jewish philosophy. He also has some of an analysis about the different issues. And this is one of the first svarim that was published by Rav Yisraeli, or before he wrote some of the halachic svarim. The halachic svarim, the first Sefer that we have is Sefer Eretz Chemda, a Sefer um, Eretz Chemda, which really has in it a lot of agricultural issues and issues about establishing the state of Israel. He has a whole discussion there about celebrating Yom Atzmaut. Rav Yisraeli then was appointed many years after being far away, he was appointed to be a Dayan in Yerushalayim and he at that time, more or less in 1969 or so, he was asked to give shiurim in Merkaz Haraf. He continued giving shiurim from then until the end of his life in Merkaz Haraf, and he was considered the Rosh Yeshiva of Merkaz Haraf, one of the Rosh Yeshiva at least. But he was considered a Rosh Yeshiva of Merkaz Haraf. He said many shiurim. So, while he was in Yushayim, later on in life, two young fellows approached him to be the head of a new machon to prepare Dayanim. They took young Tamini Chachamim and wanted to build a machon to establish them as Dayanim. And Rav Yisraeli, who himself was a Dayan, was a Rosh Hashiva, was chosen to be the head of this machon, Machon Eretz Chemda, the name of his original Sefer. Rav Yisraeli published during the years as an editor, many volumes of a Torah Vamdina, as the one of the leading experts on halacha of Torah Vamdina, Rav Yisraeli edited a, a series of books. Apol Mizrahi took a big place in these books of issues to deal with Torah Vamdina. His own svarim after Eretz Chemda 
were Amud Ha'imini, which also deals with halachos of agriculture, also one of the areas that was extremely important in Rav Yisraeli's world and in his writing were laws that refer to Medinat Yisrael. Halachos of Medina. Two volumes came out called Chabad Binyamin. Those two volumes obviously were named for Rav Yisraeli's father, Binyamin. Chava, of course, might show the agricultural aspects of a Chavad Binyamin. He also was volumes of Chuv, of his Piskeidin from the Bezdin were, passed, were written. So we have these volumes that deal with the issues that Rav Yisrael dealt with. Issues of the state of Israel, Israel's of Mitzvot Atliot Ba'aretz, and Piskeidin. We are going to discuss some of the questions in the volumes that deal with Hilchot Medina, laws of the government, as well as two or three issues that are modern questions that Rav Yisraeli dealt with, not only in the world of Hilchot Medina. In Amud Ayimini, Rav Yisraeli had a question that was asked him. I must point out that most of the discussions in these books seem to be what I would call birurei halacha, expositions of halacha to, de- to determine halacha, rather than what we would call the classic sheilot shivot, questions that were asked and received answers. But the, in the uh, title page of Amud Ha'imini, Rav Yisrael does, the, writes it as birurei halacha binyanei medina, expositions of halacha about the state of Israel, but Sheilotu Chivotu Burei Sugyot, he also has in it Sugyos and Shutim. This one seems to be a an actual shoot written to Rav Yisraeli by religious Zionist organizations, specifically youth organizations in America, who asked him the question whether they were doing what is considered halachically proper by encouraging their Chanichim. The, the groups that they educated within these youth organizations, presumably B'nai Akiva and other organizations, they certainly preached toward Aliyah. And very often, the parents were, would have objected to going on Aliyah. And then the question was asked, is it correct, halachically, to preach and encourage Aliyah when it's against the wish of their parents? Rav Yisraeli begins by pointing out that if parents tell their children to uh, go against halacha, you do not have to listen to them. Uh, certainly, according to the Ramban, that there's a biblical obligation, an extremely important biblical obligation to live in Israel, parents who would tell their children not to go live in Eretz Israel would seem, at first glance, to be against halacha, where you should not listen to your parents. He points out that even the Rambam, who does not count the mitzvah of Yeshiva Eretz Israel in the list of the mitzvahs, Presumably, the Ramam thinks that at least there's a mitzvah de Rabbanan in a Yishabar Yisrael, and if your parents would tell you not to observe even a law of the Rabbanan, you should not listen to them. However, of course, Rav Yisraeli then deals with the sources. And he quotes the Gemara in Kiddushin that Rav Ami had an, an elderly mother, and Rav Asi, um, Rav Asi had an elderly mother, and Rav Asi went, left her and went to live in Eretz Yisrael. Then afterwards, he asked, is he allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael to go 
to take care of his mother, they said, uh, we're not sure about this issue. Rav Yochanan said, ain't any yodaya. At the end, he said, since Rav Asiya decided to go, we said, he gave him a bracha. Hamakom yachzicha b'shalom. Now, Rav Yisraeli discussed what is the particular issue, and he raised the question, maybe Rav Asi was a Kohen, and there's a specific problem for a Kohen to leave Eretz Yisrael. But nevertheless, well, to make this discussion rather brief, Rav Yisraeli said that this is, of course, in a case where the person is leaving Eretz Yisrael, and that issue might be different than not coming in Aliyah in the first place. But he quotes a very important opinion that he had already discussed in Eretz Hamda. An opinion of the Rajbash and the Mil Tzedakah. That if a person does not find, is not capable of making a living in Eretz Yisrael, he is not obligated in Yeshivat Eretz Yisrael. And the quote that Rav Yisraeli used is not considered dwelling in a place unless you can have proper lodging and proper food. Therefore, this mitzvah of going in Aliyah would not be applicable when a person would not feel comfortable. A person who would suffer greatly because he's leaving his parents would not be considered mitzvah's Yishavar Yisrael at all. So Rav Yisraeli said, really, the law of Kibbut Avayim could not deter a person, should not deter a person from living in Eretz Israel. The only question we have to discuss is there a mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Israel in such a situation? And he raised the possibility that it might not be considered mitzvah Yishuv Eretz Israel does not apply at all. Of course, Rabbi, the Yisraeli then goes on to differentiate between a person who leaves Eretz Israel and a person who is in Chutz Laretz. In the first place, the person who leaves Eretz Israel is actually doing something, leaving Israel, whereas the person who didn't go in Aliyah is merely refraining from fulfilling the mitzvah. Then Rav Yisrael makes another important point. He said, we should differentiate between a person who is actually involved in Kibbut Ava'im on a serious level, namely, he, his parents need him especially in the case of aged parents, where the children take care of their parents, and the essence of Kibbut Avaim, as the Gemara says in Kedushin, is to feed them, to give them to eat, to drink, to help them get dressed, to help them get up. That is the essence of the mitzvah, and we should differentiate in a case where the children are actually involved in such a performance of the mitzvah of Kibbut Avaim. But in most cases, the child is not involved in day-to-day care of the parents. It's just the parents object that they're coming on Aliyah. Then Rav Yisraeli adds another point, which I feel is indicative of Rav Yisraeli's approach to Allah in general. Rav Yisraeli says this is referring to a, an individual. We talked about an individual going on Aliyah, not going on Aliyah. But we're also talking about a situation where you're coming on Aliyah is actually a strengthening of the community of Israel. It also is a deterrent against the enemies. There is also an actual element of defense when necessary. Especially so when the person in question who's going on Aliyah is from, and therefore, Shomer Torah Mitzvot actually strengthens the community of 
people in Rav Yisrael's words, people who are really observant will be strengthened by more Aliyah. So then you could really discuss that there's an even more oblig- greater obligation to go on Aliyah. The bottom line that Rav Yisraeli said, if a child is actually taking care of his parents and they need him, there is no mitzvah of Aliyah. It's not that the mitzvah of Kibbutz beats the mitzvah of Aliyah. He claims in such a case, there's no mitzvah. The mitzvah is only when you can live comfortably. And this would not be comfortable life. But in a case where his parents don't need him, just they don't want him to go in Aliyah, Rav Yisraeli felt that not only is there no Easter in encouraging Aliyah, but there would be an obligation to encourage the children to go in Aliyah. They should, they're actually considered Messiah L'Dvar Mitzvah, especially for the Mitzvah of Yishev Eretz Yisrael, a mitzvah, a question that did not apply specifically to Eretz Yisrael, but I felt is an indicative of our modern times, is, and Rav Yisraeli has a very original approach to, is found in the second volume of Chavad Binyamin. The question was asked to him, I, again, I don't know if it was specifically asked to Rav Yisraeli or it's a response to other people's writings, was the question whether a woman is involved in the mitzvah of Simchas Chasen Vakala, and specifically whether she can get one of the Sheva Brachas that are st- said at the Chuppah. Rav Yisraeli first raises the obligation of making the bracha in the first case. He says that the Meseches Kala says, Kala below bracha asur lebala. It seems that a Kala without a bracha is completely asur to her husband. It seems that the bracha is a matir, it allows the chuppah. And he said, therefore it shows us the basic obligation of the Birchas Chasanim, of those Sheva Brachas the Chuppah, is upon the Chasan. And he quotes the Rambam in Perik Yud, Halacha Vav of Hilchos Ishus, that HaMavarech HaSaisha Yivarech Birchas Chasanim. Now the way Rav Yisraeli quoted, I assume there's a mistake in the text here, because Rav Yisraeli's quote seems to say that he who does the Eresin should make the Birchas Chasanim. But the actual text of the Rambam is not Yivarech, but Hamaresa Saisha Uberech Birchas Chasanim. The Rambam is referring to the fact that Birchas Chasanim is not the actual wedding. It precedes the wedding. But the text is if a person did Eresin, but did not make the Birchas but and made the Birchas Anesuin, but didn't go into the Chuppah, then the Kala is not married yet. But nevertheless, Rav Yisraeli seems to infer from here that the obligation is on the Chasan to make the Birchas Chasanim. He also adds, Rav Yisraeli, that the obligation is not only upon the Chasan, but it's on the community as well. The people who are there at the Chuppah are actually required to make the Sheva Brachas. But one person can make the Bracha to be Motzi them. That, by the way, has an important halachic ramification. If the people are Yaltzei, then they have to listen to the bracha and answer Amen. 
not talk in between the brachas or talk uh, while their brachas are being made, as is unfortunately the custom in certain places. But according to Rav Yisraeli, the bracha is made is an obligation upon the community, on the tzibur, on the minyan. And since the obligation is on the minyan of the people that are there, so women don't count to a minyan, therefore Rav Yisraeli says they're not obligated to make the bracha, and therefore they can't be mozi people. He then goes on to say a novel idea. He said, the actual obligation on the people who are attending the chuppah, or the people during the week of Sheva Brachis, is to make the brachas as part of the Sameach Hasan Vakala. It's part of the mitzvah of the Sameach. He says, we think the idea of the Sameach is to dance, to sing. He says, that's true. But there's an, also an element of giving the bracha to the chasen, and therefore it's an obligation of Simchas Chasan Bakala. So then Rabbi Yisraeli says, since that's true, the mitzvah, the Sameach Asachasen, is only obligated, only men are obligated. Because he said it would be not proper, it would not be tznius for women to get up in front of the men, to, of the chasen, and sing and dance. So there's no mitzvah of the Sameach Asachasen for the kala, for the women present. So women are not involved in this mitzvah at all. But then Rabbi Yisraeli obviously argued, Okay, maybe we could say there's no obligation on, on women to be Mesameh Chasen, but there's an obligation on women to be Mesameh Chasakala. And there, the novel idea is that Rav Yisraeli suggests not only is no, no obligation on women to be Mesameh Chasakala, there's no obligation on anyone to be Mesameh Chasakala. The mitzvah is Lesameh Chasakhasen. The obligation of the community, according to Rav Yisraeli, is Lesameh Chasakhasen. When the chassan's happy, so he'll make the kala happy. It's an obligation upon the chassan, but it's not a chiv on anyone else. And therefore, since there's no chiv at all, the obligation is only upon men. Obviously, women are not included in this, in this chiv. The Gemara says, Ketzad Merakdim Lifne Hakala. That Gemara might imply that there's a mitzvah of dancing before the kala. Rav Yisraeli says no. The, look at the continuation of the Gemara. The Gemara says, why is there a mitzvah to say good things about the kala? Because if a person buys something in the marketplace, you should tell him you got a good deal or a bad deal. Obviously, you should tell him you got a good deal. So it's what you tell the chassan. So the, the idea is l'sameach hasachasan by telling him nice things about the kala, by telling him the kala is wonderful. So... The bottom line is, Rav Yisrael was very staunch in his opinion that women are not obligated certainly not women are not obligated in Shevibrachas, women cannot make one of the Shevibrachas. Of course, this is a response to various people who have written about this. Professor Neria Gutel in Aram Mizrach, uh, number Kuf Yudzayin, has a Rev Gutel himself has written many svarim and is a well-known professor in the head today of Michlelet Orot in Elkanah. Rav Gutel wrote, an, wrote a, an, a discussion about this in Aram Mizrach. Professor Joel, or Dr. Joel Walowalski in America uh, wrote, an, uh, wrote an article various, which appeared in various places that he 
thought women could receive a bracha, it became an issue, I assume, until today. But Rav Yisrael's position here was enunciated clearly in his sefer. An article was written about, about this in Tchumen and many other sources as well. One of the issues that I'd like to um, mention today, a very important shuvah of Rav, Rav Yisraeli, was about the use of microphones in on Shabbos. In volume one of Chavad Binyamin, Rav Yisraeli discussed how uh, microphones work. I think he's specifically referring to a battery-operated microphone. That's the impression I get through the tshuva, although I didn't see it exactly clearly that that's what the issue is. He, of course, raises the questions about Mahashmas Kol, Avshamilsa, different issues that basically discuss the question whether it's appropriate. Is it considered too much of a mundane action, a weekday action to have microphones? What is important for me that Rav Yisraeli says, the, I assume that there's no problem in speaking into a microphone because many people have already paskin that you can use hearing aids on Chavez. A person who speaks and the voice is picked up by the hearing aid is similar to a person speaking being caught up in the microphone. And therefore, he felt that that issue had already been decided by people. We passed in today that you can use microphones on batteries, so he would assume that that's not the problem. The other issues, Rav Yisraeli didn't understand what uh, that this should be considered Avsha Milsa, when we're talking about the purpose of using this microphone for Devrei Torah, for Shiurim, and therefore, Rav Yisraeli was very much strongly in favor of allowing the use of the microphone on Shabbos. Therefore, he said, and I summarized the, the end of the tshuva, the benefit that could happen from using such a a such a a kli machshir for the purpose of spreading Torah to involve people in Torah on Shabbos is of such great importance that I think koach de'atera adif, I think we should be matirit, and you should take this into account. This, of course, opinion was a very daring step as many people were afraid that using microphones could lead to many other problems. Uh, the reform shuls, conservative shuls that use microphone, we would be somehow leaning toward that direction. Many people use the phrase uh, that you should not in, have new innovations in, within the world of halacha. And therefore, Rabbi Yisraeli's step was rather a courageous step in saying that he really felt there was no such issue. One of the uh, questions that is a more Hachos uh, Medina question was asked to Rav Yisraeli. Again, I don't know so much if it was asked him as a question or it's a discussion that he himself raised whether the Antebi raid and the Israeli government reaction to the raid was proper in, within the world of Halacha. At first, in the volume called uh, 
Chavad Binyamin, Chelek Aleph, Siman Yudzayin, first Rabbi Yisraeli raises the question of what the facts were on the ground. And he mentions the issue that the plane, a French Air France plane, which was going from Israel to France, was taken over by t- Arab terrorists, brought to Entebbe, and the people basically were held captive, and they began dealing with the government about release of terrorists. The government did embark upon such a discussion. When the uh, terms were raised, the, the, and Israel agreed to some terms, but then decided to have a discussion about other terms, at which point the terrorists raised their demands. And if, as we all know, it ended basically happily ever after when the amazing raid of the Israeli troops came into Entebbe and was mostly, mostly successful in releasing all the captives coming back to Israel. And the questions that were asked was, did the Israeli government, were they, were they correct in dealing with Mechablim in the first place? Releasing terrorists has in it an element of Pikrach Nefesh, because those same terrorists who would be released might in the future embark upon much more terrorism. And of course these issues are major issues of Safek Sakana, saving people when you're endangering people in the future. The question of the soldiers themselves would be, they themselves, the soldiers, were entering the world of Safek Sakana by going to Entebbe. It was a very dangerous raid. And it could be that uh, the Safek of the Chayalim would not uh, be permitted to even to save lives. Rev. Yisraeli, I, I, I want to point out, because we're running out of time, Rev. Yisraeli pointed out one major factor here. He said that, he quotes Rav Cook as saying, we must distinguish between the laws of saving an individual life, like the classic cases, a person's drowning, another person could save his life, but he's endangering his life by going into torrential waters and hoping that he can save the person, but Chas Vashem, he himself could be drowned. But that is a unique case of an individual person. When we're talking about a community, when we're talking about what Rav Kook calls Mishpat HaMlucha, Mishpat HaMlucha is not just a monarchy, it's any government of Israel, Rav Kook equates with the concept of a Mishpat HaMlucha. And when you have Dinei Milchama, the laws of war cannot be the same as regular individual cases. Rav Yisraeli also adds to that, there's an element of Kiddush Hashem here. Let's remember that at this particular case, the Jews were were separated from other from other nation, nationalities. The obvious point of the of the terrorists was opposing Am Yisrael. Rabbi Yisrael points out there's an element here of Kiddush Hashem. There's an element of Milchemes Mitzvah, and in a Milchemes Mitzvah, we don't take all these things into account. The laws of Pikrach Nefesh do not apply. Savik Pikrach Nefesh do not apply. It's all considered a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. And therefore, the bottom line is the Rav Yisraeli endorsed completely the position of the Israeli government. Of course, the government has to make certain calculations of what is available to them at the time, what they can do in that time. But Rav Yisraeli felt that in the time of war, what we consider Milchemes Mitzvah, a concept of Kiddush Hashem, the government decisions were all correct.
as we all know, there were uh, differences of opinion in the Jewish world about the Mifzah and Tebi, and the Satner Rebbe in America protested very strongly against the uh, Entebbe raid, and he felt it was wrong according to Halacha. Many, many people in America uh, wrote against the opinion of the Satna Rebbe, but here we have in Eretz Yisrael a very strong opinion of Rabbi Yisraeli endorsing the position of the Israeli government.